Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mr. Walton, did you make contact with Aileen? Were you taken to another planet, to a mothership? How do they communicate with Can you tell me what they look like? How many of them there were? Were you, were you given food? But the teachers are alive. They're not books. They are the very living essences of nature itself. What a strange person. Unbelievably powerful supercomputer that's running our reality, and we don't have a clue yep. as to how to operate it. So when maybe you or somebody else creates an AGI system and you get to ask her one question, what would that question be? What's outside the simulation? Say in your mind, say to yourself, I am more than my physical body, because I am more than physical matter, I can perceive that which is greater than the physical world. Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM, the Fringe.fm, the Fringe application on Google Play, Apple, and Alexa. I'm your host tonight, filling in for Joe Roop, Ryan Gable. But again, Joe Roop is also with us on the line. If you'd like to contact the show, contact at lightingthevoid.com. That's contact at lightingthevoid.com. My email, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e at yahoo.com. Dot com. Last night we had Mr. Utebi on the show, 
talked a little bit about a number of different subjects dealing with love and peace and understanding and acceptance. Tonight, we're going to be speaking with Mark Ireland, co-founder of Helping Parents Heal and the author of a couple of different books. He has a new book out. We're going to be talking to Mark and we're going to be talking to Joe. Joe, can you hear us? Yeah, I got you. I can hear you. Excellent. Let's go ahead and bring Mark in. Mark Ireland, how are you tonight? I'm great. Thanks for having me. You got it. It's good to have you on the show. Tell me about these uh, these books that you wrote. What is Helping Parents Heal, this uh, organization that you're a co-founder of? Give us a little bit of background on you. Sure. So going all the way back, I grew up with a, a, a father who was very unusual. He was a psychic and a medium. He counseled a lot of celebrities. Uh, Mae West was one of them. I got to meet her when I was 19 years old. Um, David Jansen. Oh, wow. um, Amanda Blake, who was Miss Kitty on Gunsmoke, going back for those old enough to remember those shows. Um, and wow. uh, I believe the Eisenhower family as well, because I have a card from Amy Eisenhower sent to my dad on behalf of her and the president in 1956, um, congratulating him on getting married to my mother. So it was just part of my average daily life. My father just kind of knew everything that was going on in the household and and you couldn't get away with a whole lot. Um, but I took a different path as in, you know, I grew up, went to college, got a degree, got married young, had a couple of kids. And while I always uh, was aware of that part of my past or my life, you know, the, that part of it, um, that not only my father had those abilities that would manifest as psychic abilities, but also mediumship in a way that I has had more or less, I'd say a knowledge that there was more than just physical existence which came in pretty handy for me when my youngest son passed unexpectedly in 2004. And that was really the catalyst for bringing me back into my dad's field because I'd been, you know, in business for a number of years and just running, living a more conventional type of life. And um, through the course of that, my first book is called Soul Shift, Finding Where the Dead Go. And it really, it's a, it's a memoir um, that's my personal journey. It chronicles the process of losing a son, but also goes back to my childhood and things that I'd seen and observed that gave me confidence there's more. And then my um, kind of diving into my dad's field um, and reviving the family legacy a bit by meeting some top mediums who didn't know much about me and uh, got some readings from them. Also met researchers in the field and engaged with them and uh, Subsequently, if you fast forward a few years, uh, co-founded an organization for bereaved parents called Helping Parents Heal. Um, and my second book is called Messages from the Afterlife. And that book is really more, whereas the first one's more of a memoir, but it has you know a scientific angle, but it's also an emotional book. The second one is more of a deep dive into the whole field and the subject matter to talk about parapsychology and mediumship. Um, the evidence for it, talk about skepticism, healthy skepticism versus closed-minded skepticism, uh, talk about religion and, and these type of uh, abilities and phenomena and how I see them as compatible um, and kind of try to disarm some of the fears that some people have about those things um, and some experiments that I've done. So that's kind of a long lead-in, but Helping Parents Heal is a, a an organization to assist bereaved parents. Um, and it's, it's actually been very successful and grown very rapidly. And I think the main reason is because we do 
um, unlike other organizations like us, we allow people to discuss uh, personal spiritual experiences and afterlife evidence, but in a non-dogmatic way. We're not aligned to any specific dogmatic position. We just allow people the freedom to, to have those discussions. Well, growing up with your dad being involved in this, did you have uh, any kind of skepticism at any point in the past? Not really. The only skepticism I've had, really, and I'm a pretty rationally minded person. I'm more left brain, I'd say, and my dad was more right brain, you know, really. um, But I I saw and was completely convinced as a kid and growing up and I've seen my father's abilities throughout my life. So I didn't have any skepticism about the phenomena being real. The only skepticism I have is about certain individuals because I know there are people are very gifted, but there are also people who are frauds, and there are people who um, think they're better than they are, or they're deluded into thinking they really have some extra ability that they either don't have or it's it's very little. How do you differentiate that personally? Does that ever irritate you dealing with people that maybe you know are frauds? Have you ever been accused of that? Well, no, because I don't I don't um, <laughs> give readings to people, or you know. Even though I think we all have those abilities to some degree, and uh, I've had experiences that really highlight that to me, mm-hmm. um, I've not put myself out there that way to where I could be called a fraud. Didn't, all, didn't all you I've publish done. your dad's book? Didn't you did, publish yeah. your dad's book where he talked about um, that everybody could tap into that ability, or he believed that everybody had it? Yeah, absolutely. So that was a middle book. So I published three books. Two were mine. The first one and the last one. And then um, the middle one was my dad's book. And it's kind of ironic how I got that book uh, to begin with. I wasn't even aware of it. And this was like 12 years after my father had passed. And one of the first readings I had from a medium was actually with Alison Dubois, who wasn't, no one had heard of her really at the time nationally, but the show Medium came out on NBC and later CBS picked it up that featured her as a character. But I met with a real life Alison Dubois in August of 2004. Two weeks prior to that, a gentleman who knew my father gave me a box full of eight and a half by 11 type pages, which was this entire manuscript called Your Psychic Potential, A Guide to Psychic Development. And um, Mm. I I said, well, where'd this come from? He goes, oh, your dad gave it to me for safekeeping before he died, because at the time I was living in another state. And so um, I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Uh, Why are you giving this to me now after 12 years? He goes, I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to. So fast forward two weeks, my reading with Alison Dubois, one of the first things she says is, I feel your father's here and he's showing me a book and I feel like it's, but it's his book, but he's passing it on to you. It's for you to take forward. Do you know what that, you know what I'm talking about? And I did (laughs) because it was crazy enough for me to get the book and then for her to hit on that when I'd not told a soul about this. Was pretty wild. So, yeah, that was a a book that evolved from some workshops my dad did back in the late '60s and early '70s uh, workshops to help other people learn how to develop their own psychic abilities, and that's what that book is all about. But kind of wild how I got it. If if I was going to consult yeah. a dictionary, and Mark, you're the dictionary. Define for me psychic. What does that mean? Well, there's a wide range of phenomena that that are lumped in under that. You've got, I mean, clairvoyance, uh, which is means clear uh, vision. And that's not like through your eyes, but in your mind's eye. Or um, then there's clairaudience, which some people might hear things. But 
after digging into it a little more deeply, I found most of them that have their audience, it's not so much an auditory sound they're hearing, but it would be um, an idea like dropped into their mind. Right. And I've had this happen too. And yeah. then you find out it's like a word or a phrase or a feeling. Um, there's also psychometry, which is like holding an object and reading the energy from that and being able to tell people certain things, characteristics about them or, or whatever, just from touching that or feeling that. Um, then there's telepathy, which is the idea of mind-to-mind -mind transfer. And most people who are researchers who study the field of mediumship, um, you know, like Winbridge um, Research Center down in Tucson, would contend that you know the most likely explanation for for mediumship is telepathy with a discarnate spirit, uh, whereas there's also the idea of telepathy with another living person, and that's what. Uh, when the Duke University Parapsychology Lab started back in, I think, 1932 and ran for 40 years, that's mainly what they focused on were telepathy experiments. And um, I think they they did well statistically, and, and they have some pretty profound results that are, you know, way beyond chance, but they could have done even better if they'd used more gifted people. But J.B. Ryan, who ran the program, was he, he was of the mind that, okay, everybody should have this and it should be equal in everybody. So he basically just used random students from the campus for his experiments and still did get positive results. But they probably would have been much better because it's something that even though I think and my father thought that anyone, everyone has it to some degree, I think it varies a lot. I mean, anyone can learn to play guitar, but you can't necessarily be Eric Clapton. Um, so that's kind of where I, I, I hope that answers your question. There's a wide range of phenomena that would be called psychic, but basically it's it's a, like a sixth sense that enables you to perceive things without use of the five physical senses that can be verified as accurate or mm -hmm. true. Okay, so if I'm thinking about something like an A-port or a D-port where things appear, where things disappear, sometimes people okay. suggest that something like that is a phenomena where there are I wouldn't call them entities. People refer to them as different things, but maybe the dead, maybe spirits that interact with the physical world in that way uh, and maybe take things or leave things. What do you think about something like that in regards to uh, communicating with the dead or communicating with spirits? Well, so what you're getting into there is what's called physical phenomena. Mm -hmm. um, that's different from the mental phenomena that I described. I think the mental phenomena is more accepted, more widely accepted by people in the field who study the field because they can objectively um, see the results of a reading where someone is under double blind conditions and is able to provide pertinent and accurate information. And I've experienced this myself and that's so what it's I've more documented demonstrable. It's more demonstrable. Yeah. The physical phenomena would be more demonstrable if they did it like they did in the old days where people would actually do it with limited light on where everything could be observed. But I'm not aware. Maybe there are people that are doing it with some light today, but I think some of them, the ones I've heard of, and I sat in one that was in complete darkness. So you really can't validate um, if something shows up or where did it come from, you know? So I, I'm familiar with the idea of apports, and I guess the theory is more of not just something materializing out of thin air, but it would more be like either... Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Teleported from some other place on the earth to that spot mm-hmm. is one theory, or that it could be kind of formed because everything really underlying matter is just energy and vibration anyhow. Um, when you get into quantum mm-hmm. mechanics, so um, just to be I'm clear, familiar with the concept. Uh, of, uh, the I just audience. don't have an. Op- Pardon. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. I mean, just to be clear for the audience, you have a pretty well-known uh, certification program that identifies psychic mediumship. Or, I hope I'm right about that, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So that's another um, thing I thought we'd talk about tonight. I can explain why I started doing that and, and how I go about it. Yeah, that's extremely helpful. Yeah, so um, really, if you go back to when my son, my youngest son passed, how this kind of thrust me back into the field um, and gave my family and I a lot of hope and comfort. And then other people, you know, we just started meeting other people who had lost kids and other folks introduced us to people who had been through this. And it uh, just became became kind of a magnet for this um, to help folks through this because it's obviously if you have a kid, it's you can't imagine it's it's the hardest thing that you could ever go through, no matter what you th- believe or think you believe. Um, it's you know you still go through an intense grieving process, and it's kind of the the hope element is to have some evidence that you know the things that people go to church and pray for and hope for that there really is more than just this physical existence to have evidence of that. And a sense of contact is, is very, very helpful. So when my first book came out right after that, I was getting swamped with people saying, Hey, do you know a good medium? Who can I go to and trust? Um, and you know, back to the fraud question, there was one woman we met early on who I was talking to her about this, but she got so anxious that she ran out to one of these, uh, uh, corner store psychics with the sign out front and got ripped off and it was really a bad deal. So I just really didn't want to see that happen to people to be defrauded or to go to someone who's just not good enough to give them good evidence, um, that could be verified what we call, what I call evidential mediumship. So, um, and I didn't, didn't get into it right away, but I had kind of, um, through some of the researchers in the field, like Tricia Robertson from the Scottish society of psychical research is a good friend of mine. And then I got to know Dr. Emily Kelly, who works at the University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies. She had been doing some um, uh, mediumship research, and I participated in one of her studies as a sitter. And I kind of formulated my own methodologies based on what I learned from them. And my reason wasn't really to to make money. It wasn't to um, try and have what might be considered like at a scientific level that could get me published in a journal or anything like that. I just wanted to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff. So back in 2014, I started a program where, you know, anybody coming off the street or, you know, at least with a practice could come and be tested. And, And really my reason for this was not just because I was flooded with requests for mediums, but the ones that I knew that were really good, the celebrity mediums were very, busy and backlog sometimes one or two years and often very expensive too. Um, I'm not judging them for that, but you know, I knew people that couldn't afford that 
and people who couldn't wait that long. So I began the process of, of um, basically testing under five blinded tests to a sitter they don't know. They have to communicate um, without video, audio only, and they're just given a first name of the person. And um, then, you know, they make statements based on what they receive, what they feel they're connecting with. And then um, we statistically measure, you know, those. And it, basically the sitter who's the recipient of that um, provides the grading to say this was correct or this was incorrect and this is a bonus. So, for example, if, you know, if the medium says, I feel you lost the son and that was correct, you get a correct mark for it. If, and the medium says, I think your son's name was Dennis. Well, it was Dennis or it wasn't. And if it was Dennis, then the, then the sitter might give bonus points for that. And then she might say, then the medium might say, oh, Dennis's favorite color was green. And, and then the sitter might be, no, nah, it was actually purple. But, you know, that's how it works. And then you statistically grade that. And there's, you know, minimum standards of performance for someone to, to pass and achieve the certification. And as a result, today I have almost 30 people that I've certified. Wow, that's really see that that's extremely helpful. I mean, it seems like you know uh, you took a, a Robert Monroe approach kind of to eliminating things by trial and error till you came down to a formula. Like to that's perfect because that's pretty much what I'm trying to do with this show is bridge the gap between kind of like science and spirituality, but also that kind of method and figuring out what's really going on. You know, but, um, but I am kind of curious uh, about. You know, when you lost your son, I know it had to be devastating like you were talking about. I can't even imagine because Ryan and I are both fathers, so it's, I can't imagine it. But if I, if I understand, like, did you have premonitions that, that day, like before the event or after? Or um, Yeah, actually I did. Um, you know, but I tended to be a little bit of a worrier at times anyhow. But this was much stronger right. that day. So I've been traveling the week before. I got back the Friday night um, before this happened. And when I walked in the front door of the house, I went to my son's room first, you know, and usually he'd have been out, but he was laying there watching TV. So I just gave him a hug and it was um, kind of a homecoming thing. And then the next morning, he had mentioned his intention to go on this hike um, behind our home in Scottsdale, Arizona, into the McDowell Mountains. And for some reason, I just had this uneasy feeling about it. And at one point, I actually almost felt like the presence was there or something. And somehow just the idea was dropped in or, you know, I didn't know if I imagined it or it was dropped in that, you know, this could be bad. It could even potentially take his life. And then I, I just said, you're, yeah. you know, said to myself, I'm worrying too much. This is silly. But then I still did try and talk him out of going. But his two buddies came to pick him up because they're going to drive to the base of the mountains. <clears throat> And the last words I said to him were, you know, Brandon, please don't go. It's too windy because it was a windy day. For whatever reason, I thought the wind was a concern. I later found out why. But right. I just noticed it was windy. And um, he, sa he said, we're going, Dad. You know, and that was the last that I'd spoken to him physically. And uh, so, yeah, yeah that man. was uh, that was how that came about. And then it was later that day I got a phone call from my older son who was at work at the time. And he, he was kind of frazzled because he was trying to work, and then he was getting calls from the other boys who were on the mountain with Brandon. Um, and they were having intermittent reception, and they were having a hard time getting through. But So I then called them, 
and uh, they said they needed a helicopter for Brandon. He was passing out, and um, I got a hold of the authorities, and and they sent a helicopter, and we were across town. So at that point of the day, we drove back, hurried back, and when I got there, there was a horde of spectators, a fire truck, an ambulance, and then I saw the chopper, and they immediately introduced me to a chaplain, and that, that just my heart sank when that happened because I know what that's for. And uh, shortly thereafter, yeah. within you know twenty minutes or so, I learned that he had passed. They took us into the back of the ambulance, and we were able to see his body but not touch it. And that uh, was pretty darn tough, pretty darn devastating. But uh, oh my God, that, man. that was the low low point from which I I came back. You know, and um, that has I to thought be the you hardest know, thing anybody could go through in their entire life. I can't imagine that, man. It's it was it was horrible, but, <laughs> but you know we're all going to pass from this world. It's a temporary experience. We just don't expect our kids to go before us, you know. Yeah. Did you feel like I would have felt like I don't know? That's just me. I get that way too. I would have felt like I should have. This is something I talk about on the show quite a bit. Is I'm trying to figure out what. What is the intuition and what is my paranoia and how do I separate the two? You know, like, um, and I'm not implying that, you know, if you would have listened to your intuition, it could have been prevented because that whole story sounds to me like that, the way that all played out, just to me, it sounds like it was his, it was his time kind of thing. You know, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, and I think like that's the case. And that's really the conclusion I came to is, and even some of the psych, the mediums I talked to later, they're like, you know, you could have prevented it that day, maybe, but what if it had happened two days later or a week later in, in a in a worse way? You know, um, I just think the yeah. thing is, he he ended up passing, doing what he really liked, what he enjoyed, in, in a place that he liked and and loved. So, I mean, we could all hope for that when it's our time, because we'll all our day will come <laughs> um, where we transition. Right. So, but it was, you know, after that, I'd say the there were a few things that happened in the early days that, that gave me a little spark of hope. You know, one of the first people I talked to now, my dad had already been gone for quite a while when this happened, but my uncle was still around his brother, my dad's brother, and he had very similar abilities. And, um, I called him and told him and he just said, well, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And I just said, well, if you get any kind of message or anything that you can share, I'd really appreciate it. And it was a couple days later, I was in the mortuary and um, and we connected by cell phone, and my uncle told me, he says, hey, I tried really hard last night to make a connection. I really didn't get anything, but I got it this morning, and I was meditating, and your dad came to me. And he um, he, told, he wanted you to know that he was there when Brandon passed, and he helped him adjust and transition. And um, he said, you know, Brandon wanted you to know that you're the best parents he ever could have had. But in addition to that, my uncle wow. also gave me the cause of death which we didn't know at the time. We were really baffled what, what had gone wrong. And my uncle said, your dad told me that Brandon's death was caused by a lack of oxygen in his bloodstream that causes heart to fail. And I talked to the autopsy physician a couple days later, and she said um, that Brandon's death was caused by a severe asthma attack that caused his blood oxygen level to dip and caused cardiac arrest. So my uncle provided that specific piece of validation or information um, to go along with the feel-good statement um, before the autopsy was done. So that was 
encouraging and helpful. And then, um, then a few other things happen, you know, sure. kind of in rapid succession after that, which are detailed in the first book, Soul Shift. And Mark, where can I'm listeners happy. find your books at? Well, um, they can go to my website first because I have links to most of the major retailers, and that's mm -hmm. markirelandauthor.com, Mark with a K, Ireland, like the country, and author. That's just a string of letters, markirelandauthor.com. But, you know, they're, they're on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, many, many retailers because um, they were traditionally published, so they have good distribution through um, the Random House. I think it's – they merged with Penguin now, I think, but I can't. Anyhow, they're out there at all the major retailers. All right, MarkIrelandAuthor.com. Mark Ireland is our guest tonight here on Lighting the Void. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, filling in for Joe Roop. But don't go anywhere because Joe Roop is right here on the line with us as well. Stay tuned to Lighting the Void right here on The Fringe FM. The Fringe.fm is the network website. Don't forget about that new Fringe app. And if you'd like to contact us, contact at LightingTheVoid.com. My email, rdgable at yahoo.com. More LTV after this. Don't go anywhere. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is the Rogie Report News on The Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. NASA's new telescope will help astronomers discover free-floating worlds. According to an article in the Smithsonian Magazine, a revolutionary new telescope launching in 2025 may be able to unlock the secrets of the darkness of space. NASA's Goddard YouTube channel explains about the Nancy Grace Roman Telescope. The Roman Space Telescope will take the lead in exploring dark energy and dark matter. We only know they exist by their effects on observable matter, yet these two mysterious components make up 95% of the universe. The Roman Space Telescope's powerful 2.4-meter mirror and enormous field of view will also help us in the search for planets beyond our solar system, or exoplanets. It will watch for gravitational microlensing events caused when a planet and its host star pass in front of a background star. Such events are rare, so catching them requires watching large swaths of the sky. The Roman telescope will help shed light on what ultimately happens to planets after their stars finally die. Space Force says it may one day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Deploy military troops into orbit. At a recent AF Works conference, Major General John E. Shaw, the head of Space Force's Space Operation Command, he said, at some point, yes, we will be putting humans into space. They may be operating command centers somewhere in the lunar environment or someplace else. In February, Space Force Vice Commander Lieutenant General David D. Thompson said, The opportunity to be an astronaut inside the Space Force today is almost zero. KYMU-TV reports that a Utah man allegedly stole a truck and then returned it because he felt bad. According to court paperwork, Bryce Dixon is accused of theft of a vehicle and three attempts to escape from official custody. The suspect was taken to the hospital for injuries sustained when the truck owner allegedly punched him in the face. Once in the hospital, police say Dixon tried to slip past officers on three occasions. Dixon apologized to the police and told them the aliens needed him to get to the Coliseum. This is the Rogie Report News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rose. Calling all witches, warlocks, goblins, and ghouls. Join us for a two-day Halloween extravaganza featuring the biggest names in the paranormal universe. Friday, October the 30th and Saturday, October the 31st. Get your tickets before they sell out at thefringefest.com. That is thefringefest.com. Trick or truth, the choice is yours. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. This is Jason Lindgren from Crow 777 Radio, and you can hear us 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Saturday night here on The Fringe FM. You're listening to Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM. I'm your substitute host tonight, Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. rdgable at yahoo.com is my email. Contact at lightingthevoid.com to contact LTV. Joe Roop is also here with us, and we're also joined by our very special guest tonight, Mark Ireland. The website, markirelandauthor.com. That's Mark Ireland, M-A-R-K. IrelandAuthor.com. And I want to turn the show back over to Joe. Joe, where would you like to go with this? What would you like to ask Mark next? Well, just, you know, how, you know, we were discussing before the break, and this is like something I want to drive home to figure out is, and every, with everything you've been through, I'm sure you can help answer this is that intuition, trying to figure out, when it's talking to us, how it's talking to us, uh, versus, you know, um, if it's just our minds or paranoia, because 
because I know we're going to talk about talking to people in the afterlife. So when things like this happen to us as just normal humans or citizens, and we're not aware if it's psychic or not, are there things that we can do to tell, uh, to differentiate that it's not just in our minds or something that we're making up? It's interesting you ask, because that's actually what my dad's book really gets into more deeply. And it's a, it's a skill that you learn through training and repetition. And personally, I've not spent that much time trying to do that. But there, there are practices through meditation and things where you can get better at differentiating. And part of it is testing yourself, too, or maybe doing like if you wanted to if you think you're psychic to do practice readings on friends or, or people like that that are open to it personally there are times when i've had like a feeling or a hunch or i have like an inner knowing and i'll just know that's real and i i can't explain why and and other times where i feel like it might be or it might be my imagination or worry and i think I think the times where I know more surely is when I'm not under stress. So if I'm under stress or worry, then I might be unsure. But if I'm more relaxed and this idea just kind of pops in, then I, I tend to know that, okay, that's probably correct. Um, I can give you an example, and this is kind of a very rare thing to have happened you. for me. But yeah. I was um, I was going to speak at this spiritualist church in San Francisco back in uh, just a few years ago, and I was going with a medium friend, Tina Powers. And before going there, I mean, she con started bugging me actually about. She says, "Mark, I think you're going to get a message to share with the congregation there when we go. Will you share it?" And I said, "Sure, I'll be happy to." And then she just asked me again and again and again. I'm like, "Tina, I promise. If I get something, I'll I'll, I'll share it." And so we finally the day came. We were in San Francisco. We're going into the church. And she even reminds me again as we're going in the front door. And I'm like, yes, yes, I promise. So I went and we had about 30 minutes to kill. And I went and sat in um, with their healing room there. And I just sat quietly on a bench of a piano or organ and uh, tried to quiet my mind. And usually I have a hard time because I usually have that monkey mind thing going on. But for whatever reason, I was able to just still my mind completely. Um, now, I'll back, back up here a little bit. This church was founded in 1922, I believe, or 24, by a woman named Florence Becker, who had abilities very similar to my father from what I understand. I never met her. She passed in like 70 or 71, I think. Um, so anyhow, um, here I am sitting in, and fast forward back to modern or the current time, and I'm sitting on that bench, and I'm meditating, and my mind is quiet, and this name pops into my head, Max. I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. It just popped in like an idea would. Um, and then right after that, Maxine. And I thought, oh, maybe it's Maxine and not Max. But that's all I got. So I went up to the top, the front, and I just, um, I did my talk. And then at the end, I said, you know, I promised Tina that I'd share this with, you know, if I got anything, I'd share it with the congregation. Do the names Max or Maxine mean anything to anyone? And the pastor of the church his jaw dropped and he said, well, Max and Maxine were twin children born to the church founder, Florence Becker. I think we know who is here right oh, now. Wow. So <laughs> um, those aren't like yeah. common names either. So then um, apparently they were stillborn too. So the pa pastor then said, I want to show you something after the service. He took me upstairs and showed me a painting that was a landscape painting with a winding road. And at the end were these two little figures. He goes, that's Max and Maxine. 
So here's something that came to me that was so subtle, just like an idea. And I like, it felt like I could have made it up, you know, honestly. And I, I just had the courage yeah. to say them and they turn out to be, you know, phenomenally accurate and unique. <laughs> so cases like that, That's amazing, um, yeah. you know, and, and I don't have that all the well, time. We have That's a psychic that comes on. Right. We have a psychic that comes on once a month and does a like a phenomenal show. And, uh, she does a, a show every new moon and people call and talk about how freakishly accurate she is about things. And I, you know, I talk to her off the air all the time and I, and it just sounds like, it sounds like she's doing exactly what you're talking about, where she just is so relaxed. And when, just when anything comes to her, it doesn't even matter if it makes sense to her. She just starts going with it. Well, speaking of the, go ahead, Mark. The filter, I think. And speaking of the moon, the the judgments, the filters, the doubt and everything, she just goes with whatever hits her, hits her head. Do you think there's a relationship? Joe mentioned the full moon. Do you think there's a relationship between certain cycles of the moon, certain days, certain times of the week or month or year that maybe you've noticed a pattern that you or others are more susceptible to that kind of intuition? You know, my dad actually felt that there was kind of ebbs and flows, but I don't know if it was with the moon or not, but he, he did definitely feel cycles where it was more intense, like, uh, the signal was stronger in times when it was weaker. Um, who, who knows? I mean, I maybe there's some validity to it. I, I really can't say. Um, and it's not something that happens to me all the time or is that frequent. But, I mean, I've had the ones that have happened have been pretty over the top like that one there. So, um, But as far as other kinds of just daily, I think where it's been more of use for me is just in daily life and business and in interacting with people and maybe having a good gut feel for people when I meet new people and things like that, but not even thinking about, you know, why do I think that? Or, you know, it's not just through analysis. Maybe it's like um, an intuitive thing that I kind of can tell that 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 person is good to be around or would be a good friend or is maybe has bad intentions or something like that. But um, perhaps there are cycles to it, whether it relates to the moon or not, I, I can't really say. Well, I think I think a lot of it, if not all of it, has to do with energy. I know that word gets used today, um, probably I would say inaccurately, and it's it's just overused. But when I say energy, I mean like for example, if you take really good care of yourself with like the food that you eat, food is energy, transmits that energy to the body, which all ultimately it all comes from the sun, the source of information, right? right? And mm-hmm. If you were, let's say you had a poor diet and you change your diet and you start eating well and you get really healthy and uh, you decide to go back to eating some of those poor diet choices again and you can feel the difference with that energy compared to what you had been eating that made you feel better, maybe you lost weight, etc. And I think in a similar way, I like food and cooking, so I use that as the as the symbol, but... I think in a similar way, when you're able to clear out, like you would clear out toxins from the body, when you're able to clear your mind, as you're referring to, when you have those interactions, you can more clearly recognize, oh, this is what sugar makes me feel like, in the same way that you can recognize, oh, maybe that person that I have a weird feeling around, there's something there that otherwise I wouldn't be feeling if I hadn't opened myself up to, again, call it energy or whatever it might be. Does that make sense? Am I making any yeah, sense? Yeah, no. I think that's that's very accurate. And the other thing is, I think 
one thing my dad grew up, you know, in the Depression era, radio was about the only thing they had, and he didn't have that right away. So no TV, no Internet, no distractions. And he had a very tough upbringing. So he was out in nature a lot, very quiet. Um, and I think today we're so saturated with so much, you know, that it's hard to quiet the mind as much. Um, because Certainly. I think the psychic impressions or intuitive intuition is very subtle. And that's the key thing to remember, you know, it's going to be a very subtle thing compared to how, how bold vision is or hearing is, um, or touch is, it's going to be much more subtle. So I think you have, if someone really wants to dial in on that, you, you become more attuned to that subtlety and you can differentiate it that way. So sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But um, I know there's people that are a lot better than, at doing that than I am. But I, I, I think that's part of the key. I've had a very small number of psychics or mediums or paranormal investigators on my show before. And one of the questions I always ask, one of them in particular, I talked to a lady named Cassandra Blizzard. And she actually has a degree in uh, nutrition and health. And I asked her, I said, what is your opinion on how much diet affects those so-called psychic abilities? I want to ask you that, Mark. How much do you think diet affects it, physical diet, food that we consume, things that we drink? It, it is definitely a factor. <laughs> That's actually a chapter in my dad's psychic development book is about the psychic diet, which he lays out. But, um, you know, I, I would say there's the body is a conduit, you know, and the part of the brain is a conduit for this communication. And so the clearer you are, the better health you're in the more restful sleep you're getting, all those things contribute to it. The best mediums I know, they're, you know, they're very mindful of what they eat, especially like if they're going to be doing readings or work, you know, before that they'll, they'll be, you know, they'll eat very carefully yeah. and they make sure they're hydrated. They won't drink alcohol, things like that. You know, I was, I was reading a little bit of Rudolf Steiner earlier and Rudolf Steiner was talking about, I think I've read this before, but it just kind of reminded me, Rudolf Steiner was talking about communicating with the dead and communicating with spirits. And one of the things he said was that perhaps one of the better ways to do this is to have an idea in your head as you fall to sleep and just kind of set it in motion and allow something to answer it. What are your thoughts on that? Or do you know much about Rudolf Steiner and his work on that subject? A little bit. I, I probably will read more, but I know a little bit about him. But um, I've had, you know, one experience myself. Uh, I've had just a few what I would call lucid or vivid dreams mm -hmm. that I think were actually like out-of-body experiences that happened during the night. It's been very rare for me, but the first one happened about a little over a year after Brandon passed. But that particular night, I went to bed and I had prayed for a visit and I had prayed to remember it. You the wanted next to day. see him. Yeah, I wanted to oh, see him, and I did. And it was it was more vivid than waking reality. And we, I met him in a three walled room that was vivid white, bright white. And um, where the fourth wall should have been was infinity. It was <laughs> like the whole universe. It was strange. But here we were in this three walled room, and he was sitting up on a countertop, and and um, just in jeans and like a t shirt, like he would have normally been wearing. And I, I said to him, Brandon, I'm, I'm so excited to see you. I've missed you so much since you died. Let me go get, you know, yeah. mom and let me go get Stephen. And when I said, I, I missed you so much since he, you died, he said, I didn't die. My father died. And then I woke up. Oh, wow. Uh, well, 
Wow. Yeah. And so I was left with a puzzle. <laughs> I was left with a puzzle. And then I've uh, never heard think, that before, man. I've done like almost 700 shows and I've never heard anybody say that before. Then we talk to a lot of people that have out of body experiences and we talk about, you know, Robert Monroe discusses that too in his books. And well, that's the that, first time I've ever heard that. So, so he, of, so your son perceived things as if you passed away and everything was just well, fine with him. I, you know, I don't know exactly the meaning, but I, here's what I, here's what happened. I, I told people about it. It was two weeks later. His best buddy had come over to our house. His name's Stu. And Stu was the boy who was on the mountain with him trying to resuscitate him, but was unsuccessful doing so. So Stu was pretty tra traumatized as well. And we kind of adopted him as another son, you know, to an extent in terms of our relationship with him right. after that. But I was walking out to Stu's truck and I told him about it. But the minute I told Stu the meaning, uh, told him what had happened, I was about to say, I don't know what it meant, but then it popped into my head what I thought it meant. And it meant that he didn't die because life is eternal. Um, he just went on. It was like walking through a door. But there was a part of me, his earthly father, that died inside. But that actually led to a rebirth to maybe a more spiritual path, a more meaningful path than the one I had been on. That's just my interpretation uh, okay. of it. Well, we were talking about a little bit of that Anything last night, too. Because we were talking about the physical yeah. birth and the physical death, what they know as the lesser birth, and then at physical death, the occultists call it the greater birth. You leave behind the physical world. You leave behind all the physical material things. and You are yeah. reborn truly into the spirit, and those things that are left behind are dead in the physical. And, and maybe he meant it so that way, He didn't way seem too. disturbed or... or any bothered by anything uh or did he did he seem no to you he, to, he okay completely relaxed looked exactly like he had to me and that those were the only words he said but i just felt warmth in there i felt like he knew i wanted to see him um and it was just a very brief encounter but um that's what he said to me but you know there's um i forget his name well i know there's a jeffrey olson who had a near-death experience. And there's another doctor that worked with him who I met. I can't place his name right now, but he basically, um, he said that he's been in, when Jeffrey Olson was in after a car accident, he had seen his deceased wife. He was able to see her. But he said his view of like, when babies come into this world, that people on the other side are sad. It's like they're seeing someone leave um, and then when they die here, they see them come back. So it's all kind of a matter of perspective more, you know, what's, what's death and what's life. Yeah. So some of the things you're saying, I think could make some sense and maybe that's what he meant. But, I, um, the most, the most important part of that to me was that he says, I didn't die. Yeah. He's still there. Yeah. I talked to, um, a gentleman one time, he talked to me about communicating with the dead or perhaps in context with this conversation, communicating with those who are truly alive. Um, and the idea that in channeling or communicating with those, those entities, those energies, the idea that they may be able to, or they may choose to lie. I thought that was an interesting concept. You ever heard that before communicating with the dead? We try to do that maybe to get answers to something, but what if the dead also lie? 
Um, well, my dad felt like if someone passes, they're pretty much like they were here. They're not like an immediately a saint or like more advanced soul. Right, right. Exactly. So if you had somebody here who was a murderer or a thief or, you know, just an ignorant person, they're still going to be that on the other side, you know, they'll mm -hmm. have an opportunity to advance their soul and progress, whether that's through reincarnation or, or on the other side. Um, he felt that, but I do think, you know, there it's, this is something that's kind of common in the field too. And my dad would talk about it is, you know, heightening your vibration and maybe um, setting intention and prayer or something like that before you start this so that you're connecting with the level that you want to. So if you connect with a lower level entity, whether that's just a deceased person who is not a good person, you know, or something like that, that's not necessarily what you want. So um, I think it's entirely possible that that could happen. But it just depends on who you who or what you connect with um, if you if you do that. So I think the proper preparations are, are necessary and are important. I agree. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, I mean I don't really I don't really know. Uh, I just know that from everybody that I've talked to on the show and was studying the books of like William Buellman and Robert Monroe and just I have to keep going back and listening to it, but it does, they do talk about that quite a bit about uh, what you were mentioning earlier, the energy and the, the, the things that we're attached to that we we can take over with us, you know? Mm -hmm. I kind of worry about that sometimes because there's a lot of discussion about that, but then again, I also think there's some innocence to, uh, to children and kind of innocence to the whole thing. Um, because this story that I'm hearing from Mark, it sounds like it sounds like it, that, that, that I don't want to overstep my bounds here, but it kind of sounds like that that maybe was his sole mission or something to to help you along or something. You know, like we don't know what our well, sole mission is, and I guess until we go back, or to help maybe a lot more people than me. Because if you look at this, this. Helping Parents Heal organization now has um, 15,000 members. Yeah, right. The affiliates worldwide. We've had a conference um, two years ago with 400 attendees, and we'd sold 600 for this year's, but we had to cancel due to COVID. So I think there's a lot more there, um, people that are being helped. And even in with the books that I've written, I've received right. emails from all over the world and pe several people who didn't commit suicide, they said, because they got enough hope out of what – I had to sh share, you know, that makes you feel good. But, you know, Brandon's a big part of that. And mm -hmm. um, so I think there was a bigger picture to his life here. And I would have loved to have had him longer. But, you know, we can't control everything in in our lives in this world and things happen. And well, I think, you know, I had to continue on with my life purpose. And I feel like it's been very fulfilling and I've been able to do more good than I probably would have ever done if this hadn't happened. It's been, so it was a catalyst. It's a catalyst. It's also been very probably healing and much of a coping method for you as well. It turned into more. Well, yeah, because I think one of the things that I've learned, you know, there's, I call these five pillars of healing, but one of them is service. And as you serve other people or you give or help other people, it heals you too. Oh, it absolutely mm -hmm. does. Joe and I were talking about that the other day. Mark, do you have yeah, the whole that's the energy thing? Yeah, yeah it's the, back to the energy thing. It's the give and take. Like, I think that I think that there's something to love and energy that it's kind of 
somewhere like correlated to where we have to learn to give and be able to receive in kind of a balanced way, almost like when a battery has its chemicals balanced, it's at its peak energy kind of thing. It provides like a feedback loop, a cycle, an infinity. Balance is one of my lessons in life. (laughs) I think a lot of us, you know, it's not always easy to be balanced, but I'm a lot more balanced than I was back before this happened. Mark, if you want to let listeners know, you know, the website, you want to give that out again and uh, tell them a little bit more about the Helping Parents Heal and where they can find that information. Sure. Um, well, really, if they go to my website, there's a link to Helping Parents Heal they can find right on there. Okay. There's also links to some of my dad's videos that they might find interesting, like he was on the Steve Allen show doing a psychic demonstration back in 1969, 70-ish. Uh, that's pretty phenomenal. There's also a link to my certified medium site on my uh, thing. So if someone heard this and wants to maybe get a rating from one of the mediums who has been tested, you can find that there. And again, my website is markirelandauthor.com. That's Mark with a K, Ireland like the country, author. Markirelandauthor.com. Did your dad uh, know or communicate with Hans Holzer by any chance? You know, I don't know if he knew Hans Holzer. I've read at least one book by Hans Holzer, and I, I think his daughter runs a site, Public Parapsychology, that reviewed one of my books, too. Um, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if my dad knew him. Um, he was tested by a number of people in his day, and I've reached out to as many as I could. Um, but I don't know for sure whether they ever connected or not. I wouldn't be surprised, though. Joe, do you have anything else for Mark? Uh, no, I'm still just kind of taking all this in because that's a lot. a lot right now. I mean, to me, this is a lot. Yeah, because I, I don't know. Like, this is some of the biggest stuff that I think about, uh, whether whether it's the out-of-body experience or life after death, trying to figure out what all is going on, what's in the mind, what's not in the mind. Uh, you know, a lot of questions there. Well, if you ever want to dive into it again, have me back on and we'll talk about those things. And I'll share some more um, of the evidence that I received. I think they can probably set that up, Mark. Thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate it. I know Joe appreciates it. MarkIrelandAuthor.com. Mark Ireland, co-founder of Helping Parents Heal, the author of, tell us those books again. Uh, The first book is Soul Shift, Finding Where the Dead Go. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is my dad's book, Your Psychic Potential, A Guide to Psychic Development. And my most recent book is Messages from the Afterlife. And it's got a long subtitle, so I'm not going to bother. <laughs> All right. Well, you can get those pretty much anywhere books are sold, correct? Yes. You may have to order them, but they, they all have ISBN numbers. Um, Amazon and Barnes & Noble are probably the two biggest that carry them, but small bookshops can get them too. All right. Excellent. Mark Ireland right here on Lighting the Void. Mark, have a good night, buddy. You too. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank I'm you. Ryan. I'm Ryan Gable, filling in for Joe Root, but Joe is also here with us tonight on LTV. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us more after this. Check out the fringe.fm. Download the new app, Fringe FM app for Google Play Store, Apple, and Alexa. Contact at lightingthevoid.com and rdgable at yahoo.com if you'd like to contact us. Contact at Lighting the Void for Joe, rdgable at yahoo.com. For myself, Ryan. Right back on Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM 
Stay with us. This is the Rogie Report News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. SpaceX is the company that sends rockets to space with satellites for Starlink. SpaceX also has the Dragon rocket, which sends astronauts into space. SpaceX is also working with the Pentagon to jointly develop a rocket that can not only launch into space, but also deliver up to 80 tons of cargo and weaponry in only one hour. Tests are expected to begin as early as next year, according to the Business Insider. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And it looks like the aerospace firm is ramping up its military contracts. I felt like I mentioned Elon's goal was to push government contracting for SpaceX, but maybe I didn't. But here we are. Are UFOs preventing the launch of nuclear warheads? Former U.S. Senator Harry Reid claims in a new documentary called Phenomenon that UFOs interfered with U.S. nuclear weapons, even perhaps preventing launches altogether. Though this information is not new, there have been books such as UFOs and Nukes, written by Robert Hastings, which profiles UFO incursions at U.S. nuclear weapons facilities. So everything old is new again. Now I always talk about technology, but I rarely talk about technology and animals. And I don't even know what to say about this one. The military has developed AR goggles for combat dogs. If you don't know what AR is, that's augmented reality. According to BBC, the technology was created by a firm called Command Sight. In current combat deployments, soldiers usually direct their animals with hand signals or laser pointers, both which require the handler to be close by. 
While wearing the goggles, the dogs can see a visual indicator directing them to a specific spot. The handler can see what the dog sees through a remote video feed. This keeps the handlers out of harm's way, sending an innocent creature out into harm's way. Dr. Stephen Lee, a senior scientist at the Army Research Laboratory, explains, The military working dog community is very excited about the potential of this technology. I think he means the handlers. The Osbournes are at it again. Ozzy, Jack, and Sharon have a new show that looks at strange phenomenon. The new reality series is called The Osbournes Want to Believe. The premise is Jack explaining paranormal phenomenon to his parents. Take a listen. How much of the paranormal do you guys believe in? I'm one of these people, if I see it, I believe it. But I, I, don't, I don't totally believe it, but then again, I don't totally not believe it. The show premieres on the Travel Channel. This is the Rogie Report News on the Fringe FM. I'm Jess Rogie. Have you ever wanted to dream about being a character in your favorite video game or movie? Would you like to dream your fantasy with all five senses in detail and remember everything? It's time to bring the dream in mind back online. Introducing Dreaming for Gamers from Ian Wilson. Dreaming for Gamers will teach you how to program your dreams to dream what you want from any video game, movie, or source material that you choose. The courses help rehabilitate the dreaming mind out of atrophy so you can remember your dreams, taste, touch, smell, see, and hear, as well as be self-aware and take complete control over the dream state like Neo in the Matrix. You can't catch COVID in a dream, but you can wake up with a happy ending. Type in the fringe.fm forward slash dreamplay and sign up today to get dreaming now. That's the fringe.fm forward slash dreamplay or click the banner at the fringe.fm today and take the seven day dream challenge for free while it lasts. Want more of the fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream Live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM.
You're listening to Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM. The Fringe.fm is the network website. Check out the new Fringe FM app from Google Play, Apple, and for Alexa. And if you'd like to contact the show, type that word in contact at lightingthevoid.com. Contact me at rdgable at yahoo.com. I'm Ryan Gable, your guest host tonight on Lighting the Void. Hey, Joe, you want to give out the call-in number? Yeah, it's 1-800-588-0335. It's toll-free from the United States or Canada, 1-800-588-0335. You guys, I'm sorry. I don't sound like so up right now. Just um, I've been, uh, I hadn't slept a lot in two days. I'm trying to get some things worked out here in Arkansas and get back to New York. So, but it's still fun, man. It's still Enjoying doing the radio show from the phone, actually. I don't, I don't have to That's do all cool. the buttons. You, you got to produce You get to do all board that. Op. Yeah. Well, check this out. If you're calling yeah. under the Rockies, you want to call 555-5555. Yeah. E.M. Phil Hendry. Yeah. <laughs> if you're calling a, from a meatpacking <laughs> yeah. plant in Iowa, love some Phil Hendry. Well, you know, well, the thing <laughs> The thing is, it's like, I, I think sometimes... You know, I don't know if it's a synchronicity, like if Dre is supposed to hear it, but I also think sometimes um, there's these, uh, I don't know if they're planetary or what other, what energies there are, cyclical energies, where these like retrograde things come around and they have us take a look at things that have come to pass to kind of like evaluate before we move on again. Because you hear all these stuff, <clears throat> people talk about retrograde and stuff and astrologers are like, oh, retrograde oh my god this is retrograde and that's retrograde but all it is is like a lot of times it's just the energy stopping and pulling back for a minute so you can reassess everything before you make yeah. the next move uh, well it's like uh so people are like oh you know all these people are going to come back and start talking to me that i thought i was done with well yeah like it's the soul kind of wants to make sure you're done and you're you're ready to transition you know yeah it's an opportunity that's like people that are like, uh, yeah, I didn't really uh, work as much as I should have this month, so I didn't make enough money to pay my bills. That must be Mercury in retrograde. Like, nah, you just didn't go to work and you didn't pay your bills. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I just, I just. Yeah, that's not really Mercury in retro retrograde. No. I feel so bad. I slept with a bunch of people this month. I shouldn't have done that. It must be Mercury. You know, it's always an issue. It's always, it's always Mercury. That should, that's just the out for everything. You know, it's always Mercury retrograde. Mercury retrograde. Yeah. Sturgill Simpson wrote a song about that. They called Mercury must be in retrograde again. <laughs> it's kind of mocking like he's having a bad day. So you can just blame it on Mercury retrograde. Of course. Of course. We just blame everything on retrograde. Just like we uh, blame things on the cabal or we bl blame things on, uh, you know, somebody else's religion or someone else's point of view. Ah, it's their problem. Not my problem. Self-respect and personal responsibility, man. Those are the two things I think are so vitally and critically important, no matter what the topic is. I, I think um, I don't. I don't. Uh, I just focus on my responsibility. Yeah, and then like the thing is, is too is like I think about how fast life is speeding up. That's why I like to talk about. Um, do you think it's speeding up? I've had these experiences or, 
yeah, this seems to speed up. Like, I was talking to somebody today about that. Like, when I hit the ninth grade or tenth grade, things just seem to move faster and faster. Like, the years just keep going by faster and faster. Why, so, why do you think that is, we though? Don't because have a lot of time here. I feel the opposite. I feel like my life know. has gotten. I feel like my life's gotten slower. Like I feel like I'm stuck in muck or something. Oh, well, not not in a bad way. I just feel like I've got I, too much time to do what I. Am I don't doing. know, man. You know what they say? Like time time flies when you're having fun, right? I guess and I'm not having, having a fun. Time it goes really really slow. You're saying I'm not having a yeah, good time? Is that's that what it is? Story, but, oh, I, I have no idea, man. It's entirely <laughs> up to you. But I know it's flying by with me because it's probably because I'm having fun. But, mm-hmm. you know, you remember me telling you that story about my dad in the hospital yeah. Uh, yeah. when he got in that car wreck, right? So you, when we're doing stuff, a lot of times, or we got a lot to get done, it seems like we don't have enough time or it's flying by. But then when we're in complete misery, misery it's like super slow. Like he got in that car wreck and he's laying in a hospital bed. There's nothing more miserable than laying in a hospital bed and not being able to move, you know? And um, I remember he just jumped up out of his bed and took off running down the hall and all the damn uh, sirens started going off on all the machines. And I was like, Dad, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, I just laid down and it's it's, uh, 10.05 and I laid there for an hour and I look back at the clock and it's 10.07. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going home. I'm like... Like, dude, you can't go home. You got stuff. You got holes in you, man. You know, but that's really strange to me how perception changes time. Like, a second is a second is a second, but it really depends on our focus on how fast it actually feels. I think sometimes. Yes, what occupies our perception, and if we're enjoying something, we want more of it, and it seems to run out faster. We're not liking something. We want it to go away. Seems like it lasts forever. So you can kind of approach life from a tranquil. Yeah. I think Manly Palmer Hall said that. He said peace or something to that effect, uh, happiness, peace, approaches life with tranquility. You can approach things with tranquility. Yeah, I do that a lot, actually. And people say, oh, that's negative. Oh, you have no enthusiasm. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm okay. I'm all right. You know, I might not be enthusiastically happy or upset, you know, or unenthusiastically upset, but I'm tranquil. And that for me maybe is why time kind of seems to not even be existent. I, that's the thing actually, Joe, I, for me, time doesn't even seem to be a thing. Like I don't really feel it. I'll have little spurts and moments where I feel it when I get involved in emotions or feelings, but otherwise I, I don't know. I just don't really feel time. That makes sense to you. You ever heard that? Uh, but it does kind of make sense, but I've never heard that. I'm just one of those guys um, who, when they ask me, is the cup half full or half empty? I say, uh, it's, I don't see, I don't see a cup. Both. I don't even see a cup. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on. We got another call. 214. It looks like they're under the Rockies. 214. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's uh, Brent Howell. I'm calling from Dallas, hey, Texas. What's up, Brent? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Dallas, hey, Bo. Texas. Love yeah. Dallas. Brent, did, you know, Brent, yes. did you win tickets to the Fringe Fest yet? Uh, oh, oh, no, negative, right? <laughs> no, you did not win tickets. Okay, yet. So sure. you just won. You did. 
You just won. Congratulations. Two tickets to the Fringe Fest. He just won yeah, tickets. Yeah, every night. Right? Today's my day. Every night we're giving them away. Mm-hmm. All right. Up, Thank brother? you very much. Nice. Well, uh, first of all, uh, you guys are great on the radio for callers, and you're so nice to them, and you appreciate them, and you, you I, I, I'm just really astounded you don't get more you know it, it really bothers me there's not more callers you got to really pump out and, that number uh, you got to pump that number out over and over again if you really want to get a lot of callers. yeah you know. and i'm telling you man like after 500 shows <laughs> or whatever you get tired of begging people to call it feels like you're begging after a while and you you know every night i look at them i see them all watching not the people in the chat like everybody on the map you know and it's like I know you want to call in, but I guess you just got to give people a, a good enough reason, you know, but I'm not the kind of guy that wants to piss people off just to get calls, but I'm working on it, man. Like I'm studying the art of radio always. I'll figure it out. I, I, I think, uh, I, I yeah. think, I think you should do a, a promo for the network. You got a good voice. Brent. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should. Sure. Me? Yeah. This is KTLK digital yeah. broadcasting. Yeah, Mary already told you that. Yeah, well, I have thing. to. I want you. When she talked to you. Yeah, I would have to prepare, you know, and stuff. <laughs> you got, you got that like I've deep got John B. Wells voice. Got a, that deep John B. Wells, I think, close to it. Uh, yeah, what you want to call about? That would just be like, why is why is everybody not calling in? Because I'm totally with you on that. Mm -hmm. Well, give, well give, give the number um, out again. What's the number you, again, Joe? Got, what? Yeah, it's 1-800-588-0335. What were you saying, Brent? Well, it's um, like, I think they're afraid. I think they're scared. And it's really difficult what? for a normal person to, like, call in to a radio show these days and, and it's fear um th they're afraid of being judged you know and um i think everybody has something to say uh, you know and, right. And, right yeah they may they may be you know they may be screwy or whatever but you know everybody has something that they need to say but they don't think it'd be you know worthwhile you know it, I, I think I think that's what it is to a large degree on a lot of things, you know. You know what my audience told me one time, or many listeners, they just said, I like listening. I don't really want to contribute. I just want to hear what your presentation is. For some people, it's like that, I think. Yeah, like your last show, you know, with Mark Inc., uh, England, uh, Ireland, not England, Ireland. Yeah, um, country. Well, that was a great show. And, you know, I hate to interrupt good shows that are going on and where there's a good, you know, good back and forth and everything. Uh, I really do. And that was, that was a good, that was a good show. Very practical approach to psychic. Well, uh, but yeah, you see really what was. I do is I, I talk to you. I talk to you while yeah. you're, you guys are having discussions. I have talked to you like I, during that show, I said, you know, born again. And as soon as I said that, uh, Ryan said, born again. And I went, oh, wow. You know, yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. Weird. 
Well, the veil, they're saying yeah, like the veil is thinning, man. Do, but well, but do you think that people are more afraid? They're more afraid now to call in because honestly, Brent, like the whole purpose of doing lighting the void for me is the connection with people. It's not to talk. Like I want to talk to people, man, you know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you got any suggestions, like I, I'm, I don't, I think I'm pretty light on everybody though, for the most part. I think so. Well, you know, well, I'll try to make you know, it friendly. It, it, go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say the one thing Go that ahead, you have Ryan. to do is you have to pound it at the end and at the beginning, at the end and the beginning, you come in. This is Lighting the Void. I'm Joe Roop, your host. The number, if you'd like to reach us, 1-800. And I think you just have to do that over and over. And that's what gets people to call in, in my experience. But uh -huh. yeah, it, it gets kind of boring constantly rehashing that number if you have other things to talk about, if you have a guest on. Yeah, I mean, that's my opinion. That's Everybody why we need show different. We need we can solve this problem right now. We can get Brent to do a recording of the call number and just have a hot button. There you just go. And hit it. Yeah. Brent says the number. Bam. West yeah. of the Rockies. Yeah, right. just have a hot button. 1-800-588. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. And you'll yeah. be at a point where you'll be going, I'll get to all you callers. I promise I'll get to all you callers. I'll, I'll, I'm going to get to you. I, I swear, just as soon as yeah, I get you, through here, I'll get to all you callers. I'm, now, come on. I'm going to get you off well, for two minutes, and then I'm going to get you off, okay? you got two minutes to call yeah. in. And you just be and like, we'll Alex, hey, it's like I'll that. Get Amy, and I'll get the bill. It's definitely and I'll get the like Jack, that during, uh, It's definitely like that during Mary's show. I feel bad because I have to rush people off the phones while she's giving readings, but sometimes or even Mary because yeah. she'll get to going and you know, like hit break and I'm like Mary we gotta stop this thing man and it makes you like um, but but as a radio host you kind of gotta let it go because you don't if people take that personally then they, they don't understand and man if I start worrying about if everybody takes everything personally I'm gonna wrap myself yeah, around you, the chain you know you get you get too invested in it Joe yeah. I see it firsthand Joe you gotta back yeah. off of that you got to be a little more like me, and yeah, I got to be a little like more Alex like you. Jones. No. Dude, just be like, yeah, be like I'm Alex. I'm a lover, man. If you're like Alex, though, if anybody's on the line Alex, for like an which, hour, you just got to go and be like, just uh, just give them a shirt, yeah. give them a t-shirt, give them a, what do they want? They want some uh, super male vitality. Who's you talking about, Alex Jones? Yeah, that's what he does. If you wait on the line for like an yeah. hour, he'll just, he'll kind of lose. And he's like, you know, just send them, send, send them a gift card. <laughs> Alex Jones tomorrow. is like my Saturday yeah. morning cartoons. What is it? What did you uh, say, Joe? Yeah. <laughs> Alex Jones is like my Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah, I, I love Alex, but it's what? funny. Yeah. Go ahead. It's the real world cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. The real world cartoon. <laughs> it's the situation where that's what it is. We're, we're all in a cartoon yeah. world. You know. Hey, give me that. Uh, what's the number again, Joe? Give me that number again. <laughs> You're killing me. It's one eight hundred five eight eight zero three three five. All right, one eight hundred five eight eight zero three three five. You have to do it slow. Maybe it should be more. You have to do it. One eight one eight hundred should be like I shouldn't have to say. I shouldn't have to say one eight hundred slow. For anybody. Five eight. But five eight eight zero three three five. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, why should I say it slow? If you listen to people like Clyde Lewis, he's like, that's the number. What? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He said everybody's got it on speed dial. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah. You're not Clyde Lewis. 
and you're not Ryan Gable the way that I do things, I'm like, all right, contact at lightingthevoid.com. That's contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T, at lightingthevoid.com. Romeo Delta Gable at yahoo.com. R-D, that's Romeo Delta Gable like Clark Gable at yahoo.com. Because that's when I'm listening. I'm already wanting to blow my brains out right now. I know. See, that's why we do shows differently. That's why I come on. That's why I come on after, and then I, I put your audience to sleep in fear, accidentally. In fear, not intentional. Well, you gotta go slow. You gotta go slow. Yeah. That also helps you eat up time. You could go one, eight hundred. Yeah, maybe people don't call <laughs> in because here. they think maybe maybe people think that they're really important. And they don't need to call in because oh. they're super special. You got to give them a reason to call in. They know it all. You got to give them a reason to call in. Oh, ask ask, ask all, a question. Right? Ask they're a question. super special and they need attention. And they don't have to get it. For, they don't have to call in to get it. I should give it to them. We can, you know? Have you ever been in sales? That's why I like you, man. You, hell yeah, I've sold cars for like five years and then class A buses for two. Yeah. Right, so you know that all sales are emotional. They're all emotional. If you're going to sell something, you have to build up the value of the product, you know. And you don't tell them anything. You ask them a question. That's what I'm saying. You would ask that question. You have a sales routine. Whatever that question is. And you give out that number, 1-800-588-0335. If that's what you really so want. I'm going to get off calls. the phone just in. Yeah, I'm going to get off the phone just in case there's somebody else out there that feels brave tonight. It's not a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what be, wants before, to call in? Before you go, though, how's Dallas? I love Dallas. Uh, uh, well, I feel sorry for you if you love Dallas. I mean, I like know. Texas. Hey, you don't um, know compared to New York. Oh, yeah, compared to New York, uh, especially these days. I mean, mm -hmm. you could live in lower Slobovia, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, move in there. I have a better situation. <laughs> lower yeah. Slobovia? Pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Pretty okay. much anywhere. Yeah. yeah, Romania would probably be good. Get up there in that castle with Dracula. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Prince Charles, the long-distant close relative. You know that? <laughs> Well, yeah, I I don't believe that. No, I think it's revenge on Prince Charles's part because Prince Charles is diabolically opposed to what Dracula actually did. Dracula was actually a, a I think I heard or read or did some investigation at one time that he was actually a good guy. I mean, in in a sense, he was, you know, count. He was a count. An account meant. Uh, he had the power of life and death over all his serfs, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, he was trying to defend his country. And if you look at the layout of the ge geography of there and, and really get into the, uh, uh, the layout of the land and the heights and everything, that, that's a, that, the whole area is a, is a castle. The whole area is like a major defensive position. And when the hordes started coming, across Europe at that time when he was alive, 
they, you know, they had already devastated everywhere around him almost. And the only what he chose to do was to use their tactics, and he used terror against them. And uh, that terror was, you know, crucifying them uh, on on poles uh, all along the roads that led up to anywhere into his territory, and and being so vicious. But he found out that it that didn't stop him. But they adopted his techniques from there on out. And uh, they were wiping across Europe, which made a lot of, this is back in his time, and which made a lot of people flee from the, you know, North European and type areas around where he is to go to America. And we know we were trading with America through the Phoenicians long, long before Columbus even sailed to the United States or America. You know, that they, they all true, knew yeah. that land was over there. Yeah, you know, they came over, they came over, you know, to do trade, you know, with in conquistador armor, with spears and horses. They were there to, you know, put a flag on the land and say, oh, this is our land now. <laughs> we were actually talking about Columbus so, uh, last then, night briefly because Columbus, he was married into a Templar family. He had access to all the Knights Templar maps. They had been here much, much earlier. Yeah. Interesting history. Yeah, they knew all that land was there. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, well, it looks like Joe called in and then Joe dropped off again. But we let you go. We got to take a break, okay? Yeah. Well, I appreciate the call. You're going to get those Have tickets. You're going to get those tickets. Don't forget to contact at lightingthevoid.com, all right? How do I get the ticket? Contact at lightingthevoid.com. Just send send the email over, okay? We'll get it set up. Okay, okay, okay. All right, sound good? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Have a yes, good night, Thank buddy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm Ryan you Gable. Too. Bye, bro. See you later. This is Lighting the Void. Filling in for Joe Root. Don't know where Joe went. Guess he fell into the void. I'm still here. We'll try to find him. Be back after this. Don't go anywhere on the Fringe FM. I'm Brad Bernard. We all know and love our moon. It's been Earth's constant companion for billions of years. ScienceAlert.com reports that every now and again, a smaller object gets temporarily captured in our planet's orbit, hanging around for a short period of time, a few months or years, before being flung out back into space. 
Here's Dr. Gordon Osinski of Western University. I think, you know, what's piqued people's interest and, and definitely my interest is, you know, the possibility that this might be, you know, a human-made object that was launched. That's courtesy Global News. We call these objects mini-moons, and while we have made a few tentative detections of such temporarily captured asteroids, only two have ever been confirmed. Now astronomers have spotted a new object, projections have an object arriving this month, and hanging around until next May, when it will depart for environs elsewhere. Everyone talks about the weather, the saying goes, but nobody does anything about it. A group of 7,500 citizen scientists and a team of researchers at the University of Reading in England decided to change that as long as one extends the nature of weather into space, specifically the sun. The first major result of their labor is documented in a study published recently in the journal AGU Advances. According to a report in Inverse.com, coronal mass ejections aren't part of Earth's weather, but they can affect us and our space-dwelling satellites all the same. Coronal mass ejections can be cosmic blobs of destruction. They can, at their worst, wreak havoc on the electronics within satellites, pose a threat to astronauts with their radiation, and can disrupt power grids on Earth enough to blast out a city. There's more news at paraabnormalradio.com. I'm Brad Bernards, Paraabnormal News. What do you think would happen if you bring the Fringe FM together with leading voices in the paranormal and unexplained? What if no topic were off limits from cryptids to conspiracies to astrology, psychic abilities, and even ufology? And what would happen if you broadcast this event in crystal clear video? Streaming live around the world and allowing viewers like you to interact with their favorite presenters, then you would have created the monster that is the Fringe Fest 2020. Two nights only, Friday, October 30th, and Saturday, October 31st. For more information and to get your tickets, visit thefringefest.com. That's thefringefest.com. Trick or truth? The only thing scarier is not being there. That's Friday, October 30th, and Saturday, October 31st. Get your tickets now before they sell out at thefringefest.com. I'm Ryan Gable, your guest host tonight on Lighting the Void. This is the Fringe FM, 1-800-588-0335. That's 1-800-588-0335. Contact at lightingthevoid.com. That's contact at lightingthevoid.com. If you'd like to contact me, rdgable at yahoo.com. rdgable at yahoo.com. Don't forget to check out the, T-H-E, the Fringe Fest. Dot com. That's thefringefest.com to get your tickets now before they sell out for the Fringe Fest, October 30th, Friday, and October 31st, Saturday, when the veil is lifted. You get to hear some of your favorite speakers give presentations from Linda Godfrey all the way to Jordan Maxwell and so many more in between from Karen Dahlman to Clyde Lewis and Guy Winters even on the Green Castle Ghost. Also, the Fringe FM app, it's up, it's new, it's in the Google Play Store, the Apple Store, and you can get it for Alexa, the Fringe FM 
app. If you have the old app, it's not working because it's an old app. You need to get the new app, the Fringe FM app. We had Mark Ireland on this evening talking about the paranormal, talking about, to some degree, I extracted a little bit of consciousness out of the conversation, though we talked a lot about having a discussion with the dead or contacting the dead to some degree. Now, all these subjects of the paranormal, all the subjects of the things that we consider to be the occult, they're kind of like the branches of a tree. Because if you say occult, occult just means hidden, esoteric as something that's hidden. And it's kind of like maybe some kind of information relating to national security even. Why is it concealed under national security? Because if other countries get that information, it could put our country or it could put somebody working for our country in danger or another country that we're allied with. And that's kind of what certain kinds of occult knowledge is or are. It's a form of information that if it was just distributed widely, it might bring a lot of danger to people who would ignorantly and perhaps ignorantly in the sense that they're willingly doing it ignorantly, use it to bring harm to themselves and to others. So it's been concealed. And you might say, well, who has the right to conceal this information? Well, maybe people that discovered how to utilize it properly and they concealed it in things that would, as stories later become from myth and passed down from generation to generation and what we now have as TV shows or movies or you know, Disney stories. Say what you want about Disney. I don't like Disney. I call it the Black Magic Kingdom. But Disney is a plethora, a hotbed of esotericism concealed in all those movies, all those stories. You don't think Walt Disney just thought one day, like J.K. Rowling, hey, let me write down these ideas on a napkin. Uh, uh, I don't know, was there going to be a mouse and some woman with a glass slipper? And how about this lady in a glass coffin? That, That sounds cool. And we'll put seven dwarfs in there for some reason. You know, they have no significance to these seven original planets or the seven sins or the seven rays of life. That's just all coincidental. That's what you're watching. That's what it all means. That's where Cinderella comes from. Cinderella is an Egyptian story. I told somebody that once. They said, how's it Egyptian? She's white. I was like, wow, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. You know? <laughs> anyway, I guess the point is, concealed in some of the most famous fairy tales and even, you know, the thing is, another good example outside of occultism is like nursery rhymes. You know, you think of like Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? Mary, Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow with silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maidens all in a row? Like you sing that or you say that, kids say that, and it sounds, oh, it's kind of fluffy and there's a garden. How does it grow? Well, Cockle shells and silver bells were actually torture devices for the fingers and the genitals. And then, of course, the pretty little maids all in a row were decapitation devices that were used before the guillotine. It took like a dozen chops to get somebody's head off. So that's in a nursery rhyme. And that's not, see, I say that and it's like, oh, that's negative. No, it's just, it's interesting. Like, literally, I don't smoke weed, but if I smoked weed and got high, like people tell me they get high, I would imagine... Um, not smoking weed. That's that's how I feel about learning about these nursery rhymes and I learning about occultism and esotericism and paranormal subjects. Like I think of A ports and D ports. We talked with Mark Ireland about that. Like that subject is just blowing my mind. I love the subject. I just want to learn about it. And hidden within all the movies and the myths and the stories and the 
nursery rhymes or these little pieces of information that kind of like, have you ever seen National Treasure with Nicolas Cage? I don't know if he's a really good actor, but I like National Treasure. It's one of my favorite movies. And remember, they got the Declaration of Independence and they're using the lemon and the heat. They're trying to find the map with the key on the back of the founding fathers left for the Templar treasure. And they're talking about how this, uh, this map was put on the back of the Declaration of Independence because a document of that significance and importance would ensure that the map survived throughout the ages. That's why these stories are so important. At least we think they are. They're so popular because they speak to us on that subconscious level. And there are those who, psychologically speaking, they understand how the subconscious works, advertising and marketing, so they're able to utilize certain symbols, call them sigils perhaps, but they utilize certain symbols in order to manipulate you to do things that they want you to do. And it doesn't necessarily have to be negative, but like, it's like, like a red, look at these fast food restaurants. You really think all these fast food restaurants, the red and the yellow, it's just all like, coincidental no it's because red and yellow are two colors that in uh, i guess you could call them laboratory studies or surveys they induce hunger like red is primal urges right it's sex it's hunger it's emotion and anger but it's also love so it's like base animal needs and desires and it obviously goes beyond the animal and up the spectrum but it makes us uh, hungry and yellow makes us hungry. So that's why everything from McDonald's to uh, Jack in the Box or whatever that weird thing is with the with the hat, the helmet on, the, whatever that thing is, uh, Jack in the Box, they're all red. It's all red and yellow, all right? Because they understand that that communicates to your subconscious and it says you're hungry, even though you're not really hungry. That's all around us. And I think it really is interesting if you just tune into lighting the void tonight and you hear me and you think, hey, maybe this is the secret teachings. Don't lighting the void. The secret teachings is coming up next. But you tune in, you hear, oh, he's talking about Cinderella. He's talking about, he said occultism. He said Cinderella. Now he's talking about Jack in the Box. What is wrong with this guy? This guy is on drugs. No, I'm just like connecting little dots. Like, yeah, Jack in the Box uses red and yellow because they know it communicates to your subconscious. McDonald's uses red and yellow because they, it communicates to your subconscious. I see Mike J in the chat room said sex and hunger, very basic primal desires and needs and things that we want, part of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we also want to feel like part of a community. So, you know, McDonald's and Panera Bread, they change up their setting to make it look like it's healthier. They get the wood floors and the chandeliers and they're like, oh, we took out some poisonous ingredients. You know, they, they, they added about 5,000 other ones where they just removed a couple that you, you heard of from the food babe or something. But that's like... You could do a whole, and I have done a lot of shows on this, you could do a whole show on the occultism of like the color of McDonald's because there's so much profound information and in understanding why there are yellow arches and why the thing is red. And that's across the board for those restaurants. And it's the same thing. You look at movies. Why is that movie popular? Why is Harry Potter so popular? Really, I look at it, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand the butterbeer and the Spectro Patronus or Patron. I thought that was something like Lil John drank. And uh, I just don't really get it. Maybe I'm not a fiction guy. That's, that's cool. But 
it's also not really fiction. It's also a nonfiction movie that's like buried in the fiction. You know, they pass Severus, the three-headed dog, the guardian of the gates in Greek myth. You pass the dog, the dog's heads, the three heads represent the three great evils. And then the man on the boat, I forget how you pronounce his name. Is it Sharon? 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 Takes you on the boat, on the river of life, just like in Egypt. But you pass the three-headed dog, Fluffy, the three great evils. And then you fall into the devil's snare and you're trapped. And the more you try to, it's like a, it's like a finger cuff. The more you try to struggle and get out of it, the more it's going to grip you. Because the devil is necessary evil. And since the devil is necessary evil, as the devil's snare implies in the movie and the story, the devil actually helps you by pushing you in the direction that you need to go, even if it's scary. And then Hermione comes down, she waves her wand, she says spectro something, and then it lights up, and it's the light that illuminates the void, the darkness, and allows you to recognize, oh, I don't need to struggle, this is all okay. And then you get out and you get the Philosopher's Stone, okay? That's like a really powerful message in that movie. And a lot of people just look at it and they think, hey, it's just something this woman wrote on a napkin, which is point and proof of what I'm saying about the powerful nature of these stories. Because what happens is a generation of kids and adults who have no idea about anything except, hey, look, butterbeer, wands, and whatever else is in here, flying cars and some guy with like straight black hair, you know, and you got all these different characters, the basculus that turns you to stone when you see it and, you know, Snape and, you know, Sirius Black. Oh, she just pulled that name out of nowhere and Voldemort and all that stuff. So you pull all that together and it's just, that's all they know. They know it's like, oh, butterbeer. Look, I've been to Orlando, Harry Potter world. And then what's, preserved and what is being produced over and over and over again from generation to generation is this incredibly powerful story. And that's just unlike the first book that Philosopher's Stone, which I think they changed that or something because the, the, uh, the, the Christian housewives got really upset about it. You know, they said, we can't Philosopher's Stone, the sorcerer, it was a sorcerer's stone, the sorcerer's stone, he's a sorcerer. Oh my God. You know, well, if you read your Bible, there are a lot of sorcerers in the Bible. All right. Uh, some guy, uh, he went to Egypt or something and freed some Jews from captivity. And that guy's a sorcerer. He's turning sticks into snakes, right? Is that the same thing? Actually, you know what? That's not so much the power of God per se, although it is overall. It's There's actually a technique where if you take a snake and you apply pressure at a certain point, I'm not saying do it, all right? I'm not, Ryan said, grab a snake. No, don't do it. But there's a way that you can do it where you can basically make the snake stiff. So if you were a scientist or you understood, I guess what would happen is you would find a way to, you know, turn that staff into a snake and that would be all powerful. And the Egyptian priests couldn't, that's sorcery. All right. That's sorcery. Oh, but it's in the Bible, so it's different. No, the Bible is like one of the most magical and sacred texts ever written. And you're missing a lot of it. You need to get a copy of the Gnostic Bible, the Colburn Bible, and read other texts, like even uh, the Quran. Joe Roop and I were just talking about the Quran the other night. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, Muslims actually 
believe in Jesus, Mary. They believe in a lot of the things that Christians believe. In fact, I believe Jesus and Mary are mentioned in the Quran like literally hundreds, if not thousands of times. They just believe that Islam is the next evolution of Christianity. And uh, that's, I don't know, to me at least, as a pretty interesting idea because I don't subscribe to any of these, but I'm also not an atheist. I just want to learn about them. So get a copy of the Quran. Get a copy of the Bible, you know, like an older Bible. Um, get a copy of, I mean, there's all kinds of great books. I mean, you could get a copy. Someone emailed me today, asked me about the Magus. It's a great book. Get a copy of the Magus, the Mirror of Magic. Uh, there's just so many. So check it out. I, I'm, I'm bouncing around here. And there are a lot of things that we could talk about in this short amount of time. I'm not sure where Joe went. Like he either fell into the Beyond section of Bed Bath & Beyond, like that Family Guy bit, or he's in the void somewhere. But I'm, I'm hoping that he's okay. Hopefully we can talk to him after the show. Occultism, esotericism, and the preservation of sacred knowledge in places by which it may be passed down in safety from generation to generation, preserving that knowledge... And it can be made public and enjoyed by everybody. But there are some who see beyond the butterbeer and they see beyond the glass slipper and they see beyond the seven dwarves. And what happens is you have this conscious awakening inside. And that's really the foundation for, you know, your movies like uh, Beauty and the Beast. What is that? Beauty and the Beast. You have beauty. And she's contrasted by the beast, and the rose is the symbol in the movie of initiation. It's the spirit, the spirit of the soul, the spirit that is put into this beastile body. And then it's bell, music, harmony that calms the beast, overcoming that beastile nature. And then, well, you know the rest of the story. That's in Beauty and the Beast. That's incredible. But it's like, now that's just uh, some hairy guy and some woman with a dress on. It's much more than that. But it's preserved from generation to generation. And those stories continue on. And most people watch and listen and read and never think anything of it. And that's a beautiful thing because they can enjoy it. But for others, they know that there's more meaning there. Looks like we might have Joe back on the line. Joe, is this you, 504? No, this is Dre. This is Dre. You're calling back. What's hey. going on? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I have a theory that you're kind of um, kind of talking about. I have a feeling that a lot of artists and a lot of writers and just creative people in general, they might just be tapped into a type of like archetypal collective consciousness with these stories where they're not mm -hmm. consciously keeping occult stories going within their works, but they're unconsciously spreading the information. Do you know what I mean? No, that's a good point. That's a great point. I agree with you. In fact, I was going to mention the archetypical nature of it because I think that's why the most powerful movies and stories end up becoming so popular because it's, con it's contributed to by that archetypical um, story, that archetypical character that they've created or the characters they've created. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say. Like um, like the hero's journey is... is pretty much told in every successful novel and movie and I mean pretty much anything you think of as far as storytelling it's, it's the it's the arc of like the plot right. you know what I mean um, and I feel like there's been a lot of 
conspiracy about how, oh, these, this movie really means this and this and this. Well, what if the creator or the writer of that script or book didn't actually intend to do that? He just happens to be of a creative mind, which in my opinion is a more open mind to receiving, say, like, on just see, receiving messages in general. And that's where all of these creations come from. Because I feel like there's a lot of people um, that want to look at it in like a negative light, saying, oh, it's, oh, they're part of it, they're hiding it, they're part of it. You know what I mean? I don't think that's always the case. I don't think it's negative, though. I, I, I think I think J.K. Rowling, I know J.K. Rowling is initiated into something, and it doesn't mean that she's in like some secret order. Like if you read the books that are on Joe's bookshelf here, the books that are in my apartment and my studio, you can derive the same meaning from them. You don't have to be initiated into something. But I know what you're saying, and I think it's a healthy mix of that with what I'm saying, with what I'm sure 30 other people who would call in might have 30 different interpretations. I'm sure it's all of that, just different perspectives. But yeah, for sure. Coming from the same point of view, I think, and, and ultimately. Yeah, no, I, I feel like it is It is both. I do, like, there are, of course, people that are purposely hiding stories within pop culture for whatever reason that they have. I just feel like not all of it is always that way. And I feel like a lot of it gets looked at as if it is intentional when I just don't, I don't believe that it is. I think some people have just tapped in, uh -huh. you know? No, that's a great, that's a great point. Okay. I think that that ultimately is what the, uh, the clickbait stuff is on the internet. It's like looking for things that, yeah, it might have a deeper meaning, but what it really boils down to is you're looking for something in a place where it doesn't exist, and you can find it if that's what you're looking for. That makes good uh, YouTube. Yes, for sure. Yes, you can always find what you're looking for because you'll start seeing messages with it, hidden within everything. That's course. right. That's right. Wait. Is it, anything else? That was it. That was no. That was my only point. Well, I appreciate the call again. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call. You got it. All right. All bye. Right. bye. Again, I don't know where Joe went. I'm hoping that Joe is listening and hoping that he's thinking, my God, why is did I let this guy host my show tonight? No, Joe loves me. I love Joe. Lighting the Void, Fringe FM. Contact at lightingthevoid.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. Contact us. Contact us. Or call in 1-800-588-0335. Maybe time for one more call. 1-800-588-0335. Maybe again, 1-800-588-0335. I was reading a little bit of uh, Rudolf Steiner earlier. And Rudolf Steiner proposed in 1923, 1923, that there were these different parts of the human body. He condensed his theory of nine parts to seven parts, including the physical body, the etheric body, the astral body, the ego or the I, the spirit self, the life spirit, and the spirit man. In his Higher Worlds book, he goes into greater detail on that. But I was thinking about those things earlier tonight before we had Mark Ireland on and about the nature of consciousness. And Rudolf Steiner was writing about how you could have this idea in your head as you go to sleep at night, kind of calm, peace, state of calm and peace as you fall asleep and send that message out to have it answered. I mean, there are plenty of ways that you could potentially, I guess, communicate with the dead or spirits. And then there are a lot of fraudulent ways like Eliphas used to write about, um, I believe it was Eliphas, 
he used to write about how people would, would you know sell these miracle ways to gain these powers they were like stare at your note well actually i shouldn't say this because people will do it but he used to say like people would sell these ideas like stare at your nose until you go like you get dizzy and he's like it's not because you got magical powers it's because you damaged the nerves in your eyes and now you can't see right and that's unfortunately what happens when you have con artists and charlatans which need to be overturned and exposed. And that's the very reason why Cinderella has a deeper meaning than just a glass slipper. And that's why McDonald's has a deeper meaning for using red and yellow. Because if you just come out and say, look, check out this cool content and information, someone's going to abuse it on purpose and on accident. So you want to maybe try to kind of, I don't know, a little bit conceal it. I mean, check it out on radio. Look what happens on radio. The way that I've structured my uh, my archives on radio, people have stolen those ideas from me. People have it's flattery, I guess, but people have stolen things from the Fringe FM. They've stolen things from the Secret Teachings long before I was on the Fringe, and that might not be like direct theft. And maybe sometimes I'm okay with it because it almost seems like no harm, no harm done. But it's stolen because it's a really good idea. Anyway. You want to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's more for me, though. I'll go through those emails. And then for Joe, I hope I'm not, like, piling the emails on, but contact at lightingthevoid, contact at lightingthevoid.com. Really, if you get a moment, you really want to go check out thefringefest.com. Check out those Speakers are going to be speaking, doing presentations the 30th and the 31st, a big full moon at the end of the month, Halloween or Samhain, just a couple weeks away. Get your tickets at thefringefest.com. And stay tuned. I'll be right back with you right here on The Fringe. We've got the secret teachings coming up as it does every night, Monday through Friday, right after Lighting the Void. Tonight, the topic is Rome didn't fall in a day. And if you are interested in the subject of Rome, well, we're not really going to talk about Rome that much. I thought it was a clever title. But we are going to talk about some very powerful history. And you might think, hmm, history's not so magical or paranormal or occult. I beg to differ because what we have in history is an abnormal story, much beyond the normal, that we don't hear a lot about. We can take that from history. We can learn. It doesn't mean that becomes the new everything. It just means like, oh, check it out. I learned something new. And I hope that tonight, here on Lighting the Void, maybe you picked up, you learned something new. Whether you did or didn't, contact at lightingthevoid.com, rdgable at yahoo.com, rdgable at yahoo.com. And we're hoping Joe will be back tomorrow. If not, I'll be here again, but I think he'll be back tomorrow. Right here on LTV, Lighting the Void on the Fringe FM. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned to the Fringe. The Secret Teachings with myself coming up next. <laughs> 